Okay, so uh, tonight's class, uh, we're going to go over a Shiloh related to Seamus. Uh, it was a Shiloh which came up this week um, in, uh, in Hannah Sachs. Uh, Hannah Sachs is having a Shabbaton uh, next week. And um, the, uh, in order to, uh, to get the girls excited about it, so they have these cards printed up, which you'll see in a moment, um, uh, announcing in, uh, not announcing the girls knew, but uh, you know, trying to get the girls excited uh, about the, uh, the event, about the, uh, the Shabbaton. And then after class started, uh, we heard on the, uh, the loudspeaker that everybody should make sure not to throw the cards away because they're shameless. So when I finished class, one of the girls from my 11th grade was holding in her hands a uh, you know a handful of these uh, these cards, a stack of these cards, and she said, "Are they shameless? Do they have to be thrown away? Do they get buried? What exactly is the story with them?" So I said, "I'm pretty sure that it's not going to be real shameless, but I'll take the stack from you and I'll uh, I'll just take it off your hands, and we will go ahead and we'll address it uh, that way." So uh, I took the stack with me, and then that was my uh, the uh, my mechayev. What uh, compelled me to go ahead and uh, you know prepare tonight's shear based on that? So here, let's go ahead and let's uh, pull that up. So what was what was on the cards exactly? I'm going to show you. Oh. There it is. Okay, so it's it's uh, there on your screen, the card. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. Okay, so obviously what they were concerned about, and I can't get in there to highlight those words. But they took a pasuk from Tehillim, which says, Mona kochavim, shemos yikra. So Baruch Hu goes ahead and counts the number of stars and calls them all by their name. So that's a pasuk. So normally we would say that, listen, if you have a, 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 a pasuk, so a pasuk from, uh, from anywhere in Tanakh is something which is going to generate a, 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 a shamus circumstance, or really the technical, there would be a Geniza circumstance, where you'd have to go ahead and bury it rather than, uh, rather than just, just discard it. Okay, so now we're going to uh, go through some of the issues related to this and hopefully come up with the Mascana so that I'll be able to take this stack of cards and uh, appropriately uh, dispose of them, whether in Shameless or, or some other way. Uh, Rabbi Schaffel, before yes. you do that, you just said that this is something that would have to go into Geniza. Uh, this doesn't have Hashem's name in it. What is, I thought that, maybe I'm just mistaken, but I thought that was the, the issue, that psukim that don't have Hashem's name in it are not treated with the same severity um, as others. Am I wrong about that? Uh, so let's see. Okay. We, we're, we're going to see that. We're going to see that now. Okay, so uh, a secondary part of this is, uh, is also going to relate to uh, wedding invitations, or it could be bar mitzvah invitations too, uh, but all sorts, of di- all sorts of different invitations. And we'll see if Moshe was very sensitive, Moshe Feinstein was very sensitive to this, the idea of people invoking psukim for whatever their cause is. So uh, whatever their, their cause happens to be, um, as far as uh, their tzedakah cause, so they'll find an appropriate pasuk, and they'll include that on the literature which they go ahead and they uh, they uh, they send out, and we'll see whether or not that's an acceptable practice. It's not an acceptable practice. So we're really going to begin with uh, with uh, with that. So here we're in Shulchan Aruch. So this is Hilchos Sefer Torah. So this is in Yordaya. So here Shulchan Aruch Pasan is a very uh, straightforward sif. But it says, Asr l'rakim psukim betalos. 
So if somebody wants to go ahead and they want to personalize their talis, and they happen to be inspired by a particular pasuk, so back in the day, they would weave or they would sew that pasuk into the talus. And that way, they would, uh, it would be, uh, you know, they were, uh, rather than wearing a pin, nowadays on their lapel, which is indicative of, uh, you know, what cause they stand for or something like that. So they would go ahead and they would use psukim and they would capture what the, you know, something about, the, about them and their perspective. Into the talus or into the collar? Um, Does that make a difference? No, well, my, as far as this point is concerned, it won't make a difference. Nowadays, they do it in the what's called. They do it in the collar just because that way they could mass manufacture talesim all the same. And then the only thing which you have to do differently is just uh, yeah, that, the atara. Okay, so why is it that you're not allowed to go ahead and sew a, uh, um, uh, threads in, that are going to form the, uh, a pasa? So the shach explains. This is now in source number two. So he says... What's going to happen is, is that this pasuk, which is on the talus, is end up going to be treated in some way, it's going to be mistreated. It's going to be disparaged in the manner in which it is treated. Why? So there's two different categories that we have as far as sacred items are concerned. So one is considered to be Tashmishe Kedusha. So that's something which serves either a Sefer Torah or Tefillin or Mezuzahs, actual sacred writings. And then you have what's called Tashmishe Mitzvah, something which is used in the, or, or the object, the mitzvah object itself, like tzitzis or lulav or schach or things like that. So, uh, so tzitzis and lulav and schach, those are objects which are used for a mitzvah. So that has one level of Kedusha, but something which is used for a Sefer Torah, that obviously has a much higher level of, uh, of sanctity. So he says over here, so the Shach explains, that tzitzis only have the lower level of Kedusha, called Tashmishe Mitzvah, and therefore, theoretically, we don't do this anymore, but theoretically, So you'd be allowed to go ahead and walk in to a uh, to a bathroom or a bathhouse wearing your tzitzis. Now we wouldn't wear a talus because it's considered to be a davening garment, but we wear a talus cotton into the bathroom. So let's say somebody went ahead and put a pasuk onto their talus cotton. So they have a pasuk on their talus cotton, and now it's time to go go to the bathroom. So they walk into the the bathroom wearing that talus cotton, which has on it a pasuk, and and the, you know what else they may do? They may go ahead before they had towels, or whatever. So you may go ahead and take your uh, towels cotton and use that to wrap around your waist as you're about to go into the hot tub or something like that. Or when you go into the uh, you go into the uh, uh, the sauna, and now you've got this towels cotton which has a pasuk on it, which you're wearing around your waist as you go into the sauna. And how could anybody go ahead and allow a pasuk of the Torah to go into a place which is not a respectful place, which is a which which is a dirty uh, which is a dirty place, and therefore this is not allowed. Now, since the whole concern is is that somebody may end up taking this pasuk, mistreating it, or somebody may end up you, uh, um, bringing it into a location where it's inappropriate for that pasuk to appear. So for that reason, the shach concludes, the kasav ha'ataz, the, uh, the, uh, the lavush concludes, 
If you want to go ahead and embroider, that's what I was looking for before. If you want to embroider a Pusik onto the mantle of a Sefer Torah, so that is perfectly acceptable. So on a Sefer Torah, yes, but on a Talis, no. What's the difference? So the difference is, as he just explained, because once it's on the mantle of a Sefer Torah, so that is a sacred item in terms of Kedusha. That's the higher level of Kedusha. You're not allowed to do anything which is, which is in any way not on par with the Kedusha of a Sefer Torah. And therefore, it's never going to end up in the bathroom. It's never going to end up in the bathhouse. It's never going to be worn around your waist when you're going into the sauna. So we're not afraid that it's going to be put into a circumstance of disrespect when it's on a Sefer Torah, but if it's merely on a talus or something of that sort, so something of, of like that is going to be absolutely uh, is going to be absolutely us. Okay, so this is the these two source one and two are the sources for this idea that taking a pasuk and putting it into a circumstance where it's not going to be treated with the mandated respect that it uh, that it deserves. So then that is something which is uh, which is also to do. Now, the next thing we have, to, we have to decide is, what constitutes a Pasuk? So are we talking about like a full Pasuk from beginning to the end of a Pasuk? We're talking about part of Pasuk. Is it a Pasuk which has Hashem's name in it? So what exactly is the definition of a Pasuk? So for this, the source for this is a Gemara in Gittin. We're jumping into the middle of a conversation over here. But the Gemara in Gittin says, uh, somebody when had, Rav Yosef had expressed an opinion, and Rev Avyasar went ahead and disagreed with him. Somebody quoted Rev Avyasar to disprove Rev Yosef. So the Gemara now, this is where we're jumping into the conversation. Am Rev Yosef, Rev Yosef says, huh? Says, Man Rev Avyasar bar Samchu. Who is this Rev Avyasar that he's a, considered to be a reliable person? I, I've never heard of him. How do I know that his writings are necessary or his opinions are necessarily re- reliable in something I have to consider? Or they could just dis- be dismissed out of hand. Vote, and furthermore, ha, I'll prove to you or I'll, I'll give you a reason why I'm, sus- I'm suspicious of his reliability. He went ahead and sent the following message, a, uh, an aerogram, back in the day, those of us who are old enough to remember aerograms. So he sent the following aerogram to Rev Yehuda, and in the aerogram it said, So he went ahead and he quoted a pasuk. So in his aerogram, Rav Yasser, that Rav Yasser sent to Rav Yehuda, he quoted a pasuk, there's nothing wrong with quoting a pasuk, but the kasav lay below sirtut. But he went ahead and wrote it without scoring the parchment or scoring the paper ahead of time. And we all know that when you're going to go ahead and write the pasuk, so halacha mandates when writing psukim and whatnot, that you have to go ahead and you have to score, like in a Sefer Torah, they have those uh, scored lines that the, the, uh, that the font is always going to align itself with or should align itself with. And Va'amar Reb Yitzchak, and Reb Yitzchak says, and this is the part which is going to be important for us, Shtaim Kosrin, if you want to write two words out of a Pasuk without scoring the aerogram ahead of time, so that you're allowed to do. Shalosh Ein Kosrin, but once you get to three words of a Pasuk, that already you're not allowed to write without scoring it, because that already constitutes writing a Pasuk, 
And therefore, the requirement of scoring the paper is mandated, already kicks in. Masnisatan in Ebrisa teaches Sholosh Kosun. Three words you're allowed to write without scoring the parchment. Arba in Kosun, but four you're not allowed to. So here already we have this idea that a pasta could already be, according to one opinion, three words out of the pasta, even though it's not an entire pasta. And according to another opinion, it's going to be four. So how do we pass in Lamaisa? So what, at what point is it considered to be as if you wrote a pasuk? And for right now, we're going to assume that the halachas for sirtut, for scoring the parchment, and the halachas which say that this is a pasuk, and therefore it's shamus that those are going to run on parallel tracks. That once we assume that you have the, the minimum number of words, so that means that you have a pasuk, and everything related to writing psukim is then going to be relevant, whether it's the Shemus halacha or whether it is the sirtut halacha. Yeah, Ellen? So any two general words that might be show up in a something else, but also are in a pasuk, or three general words. Uh, so that's right. So, that, 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 so that, that's where we're going. So now let's see how this is brought in Shochanach, and then we'll see, begin to see how the postim uh, addresses. So here, the first halacha was in Reish Pei Gimel Sif Dalad. Now we're in Reish Pei Dalad Sif Base. This is the end of Hilchos Sefer Torah. This is the final sermon. So here it says, Shulchan Aruch Paskins. Asa lichtov gimel tevos me pasuk below sirtut. So to go ahead and write even three words from a pasuk, it's not the entire pasuk, but three words out of a pasuk without first scoring the parchment is asr. Then he adds in, imu ksav ashuris. And we're not going to get into whether it has to be ksav ashuris, but that's the font which we use in Sifre Torah. Then the Ramah says, ben chiluk ben as far as this requirement is concerned, it doesn't make a difference whether you're writing it onto parchment or onto an aerogram, or whether you're engraving the pasuk into wood or into gold. Either way, once you cross that threshold of three words, so you have to score the writing material before you go ahead and you write any of the words. Then he says, now this is going to be the beginning of a, uh, of a leniency, and this is somewhat what you were getting towards, uh, Alan. Says, That's our actual aerogram. So you're actually writing a letter to somebody. We're going to translate that last phase uh, very generally, but sometimes when a person is going to be writing a letter to, uh, to another person, they're going to use a phrase which happens to originate from Tanakh, but they're going to use it just, be, it becomes like a malitza, so it just becomes an expre- a common expression which people use. So somebody says, Baruch HaBab Hashem Hashem. You know, we're so happy that you're here. So granted, that happens to be a pasuk, but they're not used, they're not quoting it as a pasuk, they're quoting it as a phrase, which is, it's such a nice, beautiful phrase, which captures my, my expression that, uh, that, you should, that you should be blessed upon your arrival in the name of Hashem, that when it's used in that context and not the intention to actually be a pasuk, so that already is a leniency. So now we're going to have to see what exactly are the grounds for that, uh, that leniency and how far are we going to be able to, uh, to take that. Okay. So now, um, the, uh, the, there's a, an authoritative say for one of the uh, authoritative svarim, which were written on the topic of Shemus, of sacred objects, how to deal with all types of sacred objects, whether it's Tashmishe Mitzvah or whether it's Tashmishe Kedusha, whichever category it's going to into, uh, is this sefer called Ginze HaKodesh. So that's what you have over here, sefer Ginze HaKodesh. 
but uh, this uh, they don't have a uh, a uh, a copy of it that's available online that you could just cut and paste. So most I could do is I could take pictures of the text itself. So that's what we have. We'll have a few of those as we go along. So here he says, and the, this is in uh, it's in Perak Test. It's a, a footnote Zion it says Brashbash Hanal Higdir. So in the Rashbash, so what's the reason? Why is it that? Two, so two words out of a Pasuk you're allowed to write, and it seemingly doesn't have any Kedusha whatsoever. But then when you write a third, suddenly you've crossed that red line, and it now constitutes a Pasuk. So what's that magical transition between two words and three words? So he says, Barash Bash, and we'll see part of that later on. So he, dear, so he explains, Shebebeist tevos lois bar imhim shal kodesh o shachol. If you just write two words, Baruch so does a person mean a Pasuk? Does he mean Baruch Haba B'Shem Hashem? Or does he mean something else? Just Baruch Haba, welcome. You know, that's, uh, is, is that all that's, uh, that's meant? When the chassan gets down to the, to the chuppah, so the, whoever the singer is, he, the first thing he does is he sings Baruch Haba. So that's just two words. So is he saying a pasuk or he's just saying welcome? So if you only have two words, we have no idea which direction you're going in. Is it going to be, a, are you going in the pasuk direction or you're going just in what we'll call melitza or an expression? So there, therefore, but once you have three, the assumption is now it's, it's more clear that you're going in the Pasuk direction. But with this, this creates both a leniency, this understanding of it creates both a leniency as well as a stringency. As he now explains, Lefiza, based on this, that we say, let's say it's clear to us from the two words which are quoted that the person is referring to the Pasuk. Hainu, for example, so there are some commands in the Torah which are tupsukim. Well, Bob will take from uh, the Aseris uh, of Lo Signov, right? So nobody's going to think that when you say Lo Signov that you mean anything other than the Ten Commandments. Right? What else is it going to be? Lo Sinaf, Lo Sirtzach. So everybody understands that those two words by themselves, clearly the person's intent is of the Aseris uh, Adibros. Kagon, he gives us another example. V'halachta bedrachav. You're going to walk in his ways. So if you see those two words, granted it's only two words, but the entire expression of the Pasuk is contained within those two words. And therefore, since the entire expression is contained in those two words, we know what your intention is, and that already should be asr. V'chein, similarly, v'dibar tabam, when it says you'll speak in them. So it's only two words out of this Pasuk from Kriyashma, but everybody knows exactly what you're referring to. You're referring to the Pasuk. So ton geniza. So in such a case, we have two words that we know exactly what the intent is. So then, geniza may already be required. Because Hashem's command in these contexts, in these examples which were given, are, are, are fully expressed within those two words. And therefore, there are times when, even though we use three words as the, uh, the normal way that we're going to determine whether you have in mind the possible, you have in mind something else, in those circumstances where two words already capture exactly what your intent is, you've already crossed that red line and sirtut will be necessary, the scoring of the parchment or the wood or the gold, and it's going to be considered to be shameless. And he says, Rav Yashev and Rav Nisim Karelitz agreed with this, uh, this analysis. Okay. Now, so that is 
That, so that's Shulchan Aruch, and that's explaining the uh, the opinion in the Gemara and the way Shulchan Aruch Paskins that normally three is going to be the cutoff point, but there may be times when even two words is already going to be enough to violate the uh, the Yisr. Now we get another thing, and this is from the actual text itself from this uh, this sefer. I'm sorry, I didn't put it into. Oh, I did. Uh, so this is a pair of Tassiv Dalad. So it says Kosev Chelik Mi so the author here writes, you wrote um, uh, part of a pasuk, and it's a phrase that people are fluent in. And it's such a nice way of expressing things, such a succinct way of expressing things. It happens to be that the words were first written down in somewhere in Tanakh, but even if it wasn't Tanakh, it would undoubtedly be a phrase which people would come up with. So this is something which, this is the explanation of the second part of Shulchan Aruch, where he says, the part which is still highlighted over there, which says that even if you have a number of words from the Pasuk, but it's an expression which people commonly use outside of its Tanakh usage, it just be, become part of our regular um, 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 expressions and part of the regular uh, form of conversation. So that's something which is acceptable as well. So what's examples of this? So here in the footnote there in Chaf Aleph, it says, Kagon, Ovid Chasid Min Haaretz. So it happens to be that that's a Pasuk. But it's a nice phrase. When a tzaddik dies, so it's not so far-fetched that somebody else would have come up with that phrase and said that the pious person has been lost from the land. That's just a, just a poetic way. You'd see it in the Hallmark card if it wasn't already in Tanakh. So somebody would have come up with such a thing. And then he says, Shamati Me'agon Rabbi Yosef Shalmo Yashiv Shlita, Zatzal now, Sha'af Abishu Chelek Mepasuk, even though it's part of a pasuk, mikol makom nonetheless, me'achar shagamim loya pasuk kazeh, kachayomrim, being that somebody would have formulated this sequence of words, because it's a nice phrase, even if it wasn't part of Tanakh, so then when a person uses it just as an expression, shapre kavanasu the pasuk, so the person clearly doesn't have in mind the pasuk, vefshelizarko, and they could go ahead and it can be discarded. It's not shameless altogether. He says, and therefore he says, let's say you're putting out a, uh, a notice regarding COVID restrictions, telling everybody they have to be masked or something. And you go ahead and you do so, and you put on the top of that flyer, you should guard your life very carefully. Now that happens to be a pasuk. But even if it wasn't a pasuk, if you were putting out something about your health, you wanted to warn people about their health, and in, in you're writing it in Lush and Kodesh, you're putting out the flyer or the poster in Eretz Yisrael, somebody would come up on their own with the phrase, take good care of your life. It's not so far-fetched to come up with such a phrase. Which you find on various flyers and posters. He says there also, even though, even though technically it's a pasuk, but the intention isn't the pasuk, the intention is it's just a good phrase. He says there also, you don't have to take such posters and go ahead and put them in Seamus. Do Lashem because this is just an expression which people use nowadays, vain kavanasam, the Pasuk, and they have no intention to be invoking the Pasuk. They just like the short, succinct way of expressing this idea be careful with your health. And not only that, he says, he said, Rav Nisim Karelitz Shlita, who's also now Zatzal, he gave additional examples of expressions which do, in truth, originate from Tanakh, 
but they've just become part of the normal way that people speak nowadays. And when people use them, they don't, they're not using them as a pasuk in Tanakh or a phrase from Tanakh. They're using them as just a common expression which people say. For example, tovim hashnaim min Two is better than one. Okay, we have an expression like that in English too. Or misped gadol v'kaved mod, a great and heavy eulogy, weighty eulogy. So that's also a phrase which people may use. V'hosef, and then he adds even further, sha'afim hurga l'lashon v'yam b'glal shizeh pasuk. Even though it even though even phrases which came into our conversational Hebrew, which because they were psukim, because they originated as phrases from a pasuk, but at this point they're just used as common phrases which people will invoke when they're trying to wax poetic. Kagon, for example, ish chai rav pa'olim. So that just is a way of expressing that the a description of a great person. So sometimes if you look at how different Rabbanim uh, uh, give titles to one another, so they very often will use various phrases from Tanakh, and it's just a means of being able to say, yeah, we think you're a great guy. So rather than saying you're a great guy, you go ahead and you wax poetic by pulling out this phrase from the, uh, the Pesukim, but nobody has in mind to actually invoke the Pasuk. That's just the words which are used in that case. Chafetz Hashem biyado Yitzlach, that Hashem should be desirous of your, what your, your efforts, and you should be successful. So again, it's a very nice phrase which people use. It's true that it does uh, originate from somewhere in Tanakh, but once it's made its way into, into conversation, into uh, conversational expressions which people use, so low-tone geniza, so geniza is not going to be required. It's unnecessary to go ahead and uh, to, uh, to, uh, to put it in Seamus and to bury them, and they could just be discarded. Okay. So we're making some progress over here as far as the, the potential allowance to take some things which may have originated in Psukim and to uh, if they made their, their way into regular conversational Hebrew, so they lose their use in that context, no longer has Kedusha, and you don't have to treat it as shameless, you could just discard it. Okay, now we mentioned earlier, the first thing that we had over here uh, in Source 5 was from the Rashbash. So this is something which the Pischei Tshuva, the, the Pischei Tshuva on the page of Shulchan Aruch, so he goes out and he addresses this. And he's going on Shulchan Aruch's Psaq, that three words, already crossed three words, is already considered to be a Pasuk, and it needs Sirtut, it needs the scoring of the, the parchment or the paper or the wood or the gold, and on the parallel track, it's going to require Seamus, it's going to be considered Seamus, and you'd have to discard it. So he said... Ayan Bichuvas Rash, so piece of Chuva is now quoting. He says, Ayan Bichuvas Rash Bash, Simitofpe Be Shikasa. So this author writes, the Pamim Gimel Kosim, Dalit Ain Kosim. So if you remember, there was a machlokis in the Gemara whether two you could write three no or three yes and four no. So even though Shochanarch Paskin, the halach is two yes, three no, the Rashbash says there are times when we will paskin like the other opinion, three yes and four no. When's that? Kagon, for example, Sheteva HaGimel Eina Gomer inyan. Let's say you quote three words out of a Pasuk, but those three words, when you group them together, they don't really make any sense. You, haven't completely, you don't have a subject and a verb, and you don't have a full sentence, a full thought which is being expressed. Kamo, for example, let's say you use a phrase, Mayim Karim Al Nafesh. The, first, the full phrase is cold water on the soul. But you just take three words. Mayim karim al. Cold water on. On what? 
So without that last word, you have you don't even you don't have an idea. You just have a, a clause. You don't even have a full uh, a full phrase. Shalom nigmar inyan atche kosev tevas nefesh. You don't finish the idea until you get to the fourth word. So at three words, you haven't made any sense whatsoever. You just cut and paste, and you forgot to to, to cut. You forgot to cut one of those words. So there, so the Rashbash is going to be lenient for that. So if you have three words together, and those three words in sequence don't mean anything, and they don't take on meaning until you get to the fourth word, so he says that in that case you could write three words, and but you wouldn't be able to get to the fourth. And then he says, "Aval But let's say three words out of a pasuk complete formulate a full idea. Kimo, for example. Maim Kedoshim Bekli. So the full Pasuk is Maim Kedoshim Bekli Charis. Sacred waters in an earthenware utensil. But the phrase Maim Kedoshim Bekli, sacred water in a utensil, that is a full phrase which actually means something. It doesn't have the full expression of the Pasuk because we forgot the, what, what the Kli is made from, not forgot, but we left out what the Kli is made from, but it is a full idea. So Avshein Okosev Tevas Charis, even though you didn't say Charis, being that Cheres is just more explanation of what the Kli is, but it was a full, uh, a fully uh, independent phrase, Mayim Kedoshim Bekli, so therefore, Aser. So that already is going to be Aser. Those three words are going to be Aser. Mm. And then he says, and this is going to be significant as we begin to swing mm. things around, he says, tevos, and in the event that you have just two words, Says the Rashbash, Shari. So under all circumstances, two words, he's putting aside what we said earlier, that if the two words are the entire commandment, it may already be Asr. But the Rashbash says two words are going to be permitted. Because generally when you have two words, we don't know whether or not you're invoking the Pasuk, you're going in the Pasuk direction, or you're going to go in a different direction, because two words generally are not enough of a phrase which are going to be significant for us that we know for sure that you are invoking the Kedusha of the Pasuk, and therefore the Rashbash says two words, even from a Pasuk, should always be permitted. Okay. Now, um, so at this point we're going to pause, not pause fully, but we're going to go back and we're going to look back at the card that they had a question about. So remember, they quoted a pasuk which said, uh, um, uh, uh, "What was it?" So here you have a pasuk of six words, probably just for space, and they probably weren't thinking about the halacha. But they went ahead and they decided that they're going to go ahead and they're going to break the pasuk into three lines, two words per line. So right away we see, according to the Rashbash, who said that whenever you have two words, that's not considered to be a pasuk and it's not Seamus, and you don't have to do Sirtut. So here they ended up getting lucky because they went ahead and they did, they broke down the six-word Pasuk into two words per line. So that's one thing which is which is important to, to, to note. And then number two, if you look at how the words are grouped, when you break this six-word Pasuk down into two words each, so actually n- none of the lines make any sense by themselves. The first one is monemispar, you're counting numbers. What does that mean? Could be counting numbers of uh, of sushi. 
could be counting numbers of people who are attending a Zoom class. So it doesn't say what you're counting. So monemispar, so this is a perfect example of what the Rashbash is talking about when you have two words out of a puzzle, are they going in a puzzle direction? Or they're counting a number of other things. You could be counting any millions of things, and you would begin the phrase, monem, mispar, etc. So that phrase by itself doesn't make any sense. We have no idea whether you're invoking Pasuk or not. Then the second line is, for the stars, for all of them. So what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything either. The truth is, in the Pasuk, the, the way the Pasuk breaks down is three words, three words. So it's as if you have an asnachta by the word la kochavim. So you're taking the end of phrase one and the first uh, clause one and the first word of clause two and grouping them together. And together, they don't form any anything which is coherent whatsoever. So there's nothing which is la kochavim kulam. If you just saw those words, you may not even realize that you, that's the middle of a pasuk and tilim over there, which you say every day, because it's completely out of context and they're grouped incorrectly. And then it says, the last line is, Shemos Yikra, so they're called names. That is a phrase, does make sense. I understand what that phrase means, but I wouldn't know that that's a pasuk. How do you know that that's talking, that's the end of this pasuk which you're talking about? So already they seem to be pretty, pretty comfortable that this is not going to be Seamus because you got two words per line. And as you group together those three sets of two words, nobody would think that you're invoking a Pasuk over here. Nothing here indicates Pasuk unless you saw all six words together. Question. So right now they seem to be uh, sitting pretty. Question. Yes. Where in any of the sources that we've read so far has it said anything about the physical format layout? Um, in terms of? In terms of uh, how, it, uh, how it's, where the line feeds are. Uh, but that suddenly became, when we look back at their card, it suddenly became a consideration, but nobody referenced it so far. Uh, so far, they've just been talking about uh, how much of the Pusser is written. Excellent. Spoken. Excellent. Right. So you're, you're, you're correct, Al. So I got a little ahead of you guys, just because I've seen the rest of the sheet. So, so but I know that, that, that it's coming. So now, but as we're going now into source number eight, so Ramosh is going to uh, potentially um, distract us for a little bit. So that's why I want to make sure that we are, remain focused on, the, uh, on, this, uh, on this card. Okay, so here Moshe says something which is, uh, as far as uh, you know, I, I, I know, and I don't have that much experience in Igris Moshe, but it's something where Moshe actually seems to get upset about something which happened. So what he says is, and he says, source eight, he says, Utamani, I am shocked. Ech shikru rama. I can't believe that people lied to you. This is the person who's writing to Moshe. He says, I can't believe they lied to you. Lomar to say. That I gave permission to not treat something as Shemus, which is a very severe Isser. He says, I don't understand how anybody could lie to you and claim that I'm lenient as far as writing psukim on flyers and the mailings which go out to people as in a fundraising effort, and they're saying over much as they're saying over in my name that I said that it's mutter, and I can't believe they did that because everybody and everybody who knows me, it's well known, Shani 
I'm always complaining about this, about the fact that these are things which should not be done in fundraising efforts to go ahead and quote sukim and send them out on flyers and letters and stuff like that. And he says, Gamal haluchos sheshochin, meza mostos. Back in the day, everybody would, not everybody, but many institutions would send out the annual calendar. You know, and on each page, there would be a picture of their yeshiva, their institution, something about them. And then there'd be some sort of pasuk, which they would put at the top, you know, uh, trying to invoke uh, sanctity and holiness and, uh, you know, uh, mom's apple pie or whatever it is. So they go ahead and they send these things out. So they send out these things which have psukim in them. So that people should feel compelled to send a donation to that institution. And sometimes they'll send out the language of brachas or as part of your site reminders. So they'll send them a card which has Kaddish on it. So they're sending out all those tefillahs and brachas and psukim. And I, I tell them all, they're not allowed to do it. Anybody who asks me, I tell them that's absolutely awesome. So I can't believe somebody lied and said in my name that it's mutter. There was one institution, Roshah says, that actually listened to me. They followed my, uh, my psaq. The guns on below shacham afshklar hidfisosam, and they went ahead and they didn't send out what they had printed, even though they had already spent money printing them. When I told them they shouldn't send it out, they ate the loss, and they didn't send it out. They didn't. They didn't use. So only one institution listened to me, but I tell institutions all the time they should stop doing it. And in my opinion, institutions should not be going ahead and using psukim or brachos or tefillos in their mailings or in their fundraising efforts, which are going to be sent out in these mass mailings to hundreds, if not thousands of people. And then 98% of the people or 99% of the people get them, look at it, see it's a fundraising effort, and they just throw it in the garbage. So now you have all these psukim and all these tefillos and all this kaddish, everything ends up in the garbage. That's a terrible disrespect for, uh, for, for all these sacred writings. And then he says, Rav Moshe says, as far as my personal conduct is concerned, that when I made invitations for my children, I didn't write any psukim. If you look back at those invitations, there's no psukim on my children's wedding invitations. Not even and this is appropriate for everybody to go ahead and do because when you start sending out psukim and tefillahs and kaddishes and stuff like that to people in a mass mailing, so inevitably these things are going to be discarded. Nobody saves invitations. They, they, maybe until you, you, you buy the gift or maybe till after the wedding. So uh, you remember where to go and what the day the wedding is. is. But after the wedding is over, you have no use for the, uh, the invitation. People discard it and throw it in the garbage. And therefore, it's inappropriate to go ahead and do and to write psukim on, on such things. And then he says, okay, now, uh, so that is one idea that Rav Moshe is saying over here, that he's emphasizing what we said at the beginning, that to write a pasuk, embroider a pasuk, in, in a circumstance in which it's going to be thrown in the trash, disrespected in whatever form that's going to be. So if Moshe says it's absolutely awesome, and I can't believe that people are lying to you saying in my name that it's permitted when I hold that it's absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we have not too many sources left. Oh, actually we do. <laughs> okay, well we say in the Pisgah Tshuva, so he says, so now he says below Sirtu. So writing three words without scoring the paper or the wood or whatever ahead of time is awesome. 
So he says, Bishelus and Shuvas Ayin. I don't know why there's parentheses there, but Ayin Bishelus Shuvas Shuvas Me'ava. If you look in the Shuvas Me'ava, he's a student of the Noda Behuda. Shakasav he writes, the Mutter Lichtov Afila Harbe Tevos below Sirtut. This is getting to your point, L, that you're able to write many words without scoring the paper ahead of time. Ayyidei Shayichto Bishita Achas by writing in one line, Rag Base Tevos. So from the first line, you write just two words out of the Pasuk. Vashita Tachtea, and then the line below that, Yichtov Gamkein, Rag Base Tevos. Then you write another two words under that. And the Shuvah Me'ava says you could write many lines, two words, two words, two words, two words. He says and all that is mutter. And this is not like a certain Rav who was uncertain about whether this is allowed. The Shuvah Me'ava says that if you write two words, two words, two words, two words, and they're all aligned on the right side, even though in the aggregate it ends up spelling out a full pasuk, but since you consciously went two words at a time, so that is something which is going to be permitted. So this is another case where we say that the way that the card at the top of the, uh, at the beginning was written, so that is okay, because it's two, two, two. Okay, now, um, now he says over here, we'll just read this uh, quickly. He says that in the, in, this is in Sif Tetz, from uh, the Ginze Kodesh. So he says, So he says that there are uh, certain circumstances, even though you change the manner in which you're writing the Pasuk, so these are changes which are not really significant. So Aleph, he says, So sometimes you'll see those invitations, that the Pasuk which they use is written in a full circle, and we're actually looking at a ksuva now for, uh, for an upcoming chasa where they went ahead and they did that. Or sometimes what they'll do is rather than using a full circle, they'll do a half circle, which he calls a keshes, he calls a rainbow. So some people think that as long as it's not in a straight line, that should already be permitted. So this Sefer Ginza Kodesh says that that doesn't help at all. Or now he also holds, kosev base tevos tachas base tevos, if you write two words under two other words, v'chei mila tachas mila, or even if it's one word under the next word, Bim onach. I had to look up that word. That means that they're aligned vertically. So if you go ahead and you write it, so this author says that it's going to be Aser. Um, he says, um, but this is something which is not so simple that it's Aser. Because if you look in this footnote over here, he says, starting at the end of the line, first line, Beresi Yosef Shlita, where you have their Pasuk was written, two words in line one. And then in line two, another two words. And then in line three, two words. In line four, two words. He says that this requires Geniza. Because this is considered to be reading it all straight. He considers that to be a normal way of reading it. And he sees all of that as being together, even though they're in separate lines. So that's not like the, uh, seemingly not like the Tshuva Me'ava. And I heard the same thing from Nisim Karelitz. But he does point out, But if you look in the Aruch HaShulchan, you'll see, He said on his own, 
boy, it should say, he says when you have two words, two words, and two words, that you don't actually have to go ahead and do any of the scoring of the parchment ahead of time. And he doesn't say that they have to be misaligned in a way which indicates that they're not being read together. And then he says, that's what we just read, that the Pisre Tshuva quotes the Tshuva Me'ava, who says, that you can write many lines of two words each, but he says, without scoring the parchment, now here is where now this author suggests that the halachas of sirtut, of scoring the parchment, and what constitutes shamus, that they don't run on parallel tracks. He's now suggesting that they run on separate tracks. He says, This is not a contradiction. He says, as far as sirtut is concerned, will be lenient, that you, if you have two words, two words, two words, two words lined up, on the, on, the, on the right side of the page, that, that you don't have to score the parchment. But that's in contrast to whether it's Seamus and you have to, be, and you have to bury it. Because he says, look at the, over there, you'll see, a, we, we look at it as a full pasuk, and therefore, there, these opinions of Rav Yashar, Rav Nisim Karelitz, they hold that that's already going to be, going to be Aser. Then he says, V'ayin Igris Moshe, which we'll see shortly, where Moshe is going to disagree as well. Okay. Now, uh, the Oz Nidbru, so, but so far, uh, in the event that you have these uh, psukim, which are written out on an invitation, so it seemed to be, if somebody did not learn this ahead of time, and they put psukim onto the invitation, that the invitation then becomes Seamus, and you have to include it in the rest of your Seamus. I don't have over here the discussion which they have, whether or not you could go ahead and you, whether you have put the entire invitation into, into Seamus, or you actually take out your scissors and you cut out the Seamus part of it, and that, just the, the Seamus part gets into Seamus, and then the rest of the invitation you just go ahead and discard. There's different opinions about how you should go ahead and handle that. Okay. Now, one thing you should know is, over here you have in Source 11, this is from the Chuvas Oz Nidbru. So he says, Rabbi Yaman Zilber, so he says, He takes a very lenient position as far as this. He says, Psukim, which are printed on invitations, Yeshla Hachmir, so now you think, oh boy, he's going to be really Machmir over here. He says, Yeshla Hachmir, Le'atvam Benir. What you should do is wrap it in paper, wrap it in some other type of paper, Umaspik Kisui Echad, and it's enough just to have one cover, you don't need a double covering. And once you've wrapped it once, he says you could already just discard it in the, in the trash. Similar to what we do with all the publications and most of the publications in shul, just put it into a jewel bag and then you put it in the trash and it's okay. So he says that even in the event that you have psukim, which appear on invitations, so even though he said yesh lahachmir, he is actually the most lenient opinion because he says that the psukim are not going to be shameless and you could go ahead and just wrap them once, put them into a jewel bag or something and discard them. Whether or not uh, the shame is included. Is that... I'm, seemingly, I'm assuming that this is without the shame Hashem. Without? Yeah, I'm assuming this is all without the shame Hashem. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay, now, um, okay, so Rav Moshe begins, 
uh, we're going to pick it up over here just because of time. Rabbi reminds us of the fact that he's already paskin, that you're not allowed to, uh, to, uh, to uh, use psukim. You should not use psukim invitations. And then he says, even those words, which everybody is familiar with, that also should not be on the invitation. Why? Because these phrases are taken from these two psukim in Sefer Yirmiya. You could look it up afterwards. They don't appear consecutively, which will be a little room for leniency. Rabosha says there's no reason to go ahead and start pulling out psukim uh, from, uh, from Tanakh to include them in the invitation. The invitation will be just as valid and the marriage will be just as happy even if they don't have any psukim on the invitation. So why do you need to go ahead and start playing around with halacha over here in these halachas of Shemus? Then he says, the Yesha Kosin, some people say Bazmana, that some people write into the invitation. So these two phrases, on two different lines, so if on one line, on the line below that, and also the phrases, is on one line, and is on another line. Now why do they go ahead and do that? Why do they think that that's effective? The timeum, the reasoning is, by writing just two words, that's not considered to be writing a pasuk. So it's just two words, like we said before. So being that Shulchan Aruch said three words is a pasuk, two words not. So they consider that to not be a pasuk. And being that each, every two words is written on a separate line, we don't consider it, we don't look at those four lines of text as if that's one pasuk which is being written. Because you don't have lines like that in the pasuk where you just have two words per line. So being that you don't have two words, so therefore uh, there are those who say that that's okay. And if Moshe writes, Moshe agrees with this reasoning. He says, I, I hear the argument why that should be okay. Via dua and when you see on invitation, you have everybody knows that nobody, you don't intend to go ahead and quote the Pasuk over here. You intend to extend good wishes upon the Chas and the Kala. It should be a joyous, happy occasion. That's all we're really trying to do. Again, it's like a Hallmark card. We're just borrowing it uh, from, from Hallmark. We're using the Pasuk as a way of expressing Bracha. So that, Rav Moshe says, I hear those who want to be leaning with that, I wouldn't protest against that. It still makes more sense to me not to include this invitation. Because the, uh, the invitation is not the time to go ahead and wish Bracha to the Chas especially when you're the recipient of the invitation. You're not sending it to the Chas they're sending it to you. So it doesn't really make sense anyways to say that there's a bracha, but nonetheless, if uh, one wants to argue that that should be okay, so you could get away with, uh, with such a thing. But based on Rav Moshe's recognition that two words, two words, two words is something which does not constitute a real pasuk over here, and the tshuva me'ava, so that's why getting back to our, our, our card over here, I think that when you have monem mispar on one line, the kochavim l'chulam on the second line, shemos shikra on the third line, so none of those lines by itself really means anything or is indicative of a pasuk, 
and I think we're pretty safe to go ahead and just uh, discard them. I may be machmer when I go pull them out of the car and put them into a jewel bag just to be extra machmer like uh, the Oz Nidbru. But uh, I don't think that this is something which we, which uh, Maker Adin we really have to worry about is uh, um, is, uh, is is going to be Seamus. Rabbi Shaffel, would it matter if it's not if it's written in English instead of in Hebrew? Yeah, yeah, because that would that for sure is not a possible. Then it's just a then it's just a hallmark card. The translation. Are you going to go back to the school and tell them they're wrong? I'm, I'm going to send. I'm going to send them a link. I'm going to tell them I, I gave a share on the topic, and they could all uh, they could all, their their assignment now is a, <laughs> that's going to be their final exam, final project. <laughs> they have to listen and summarize the uh, this year. No, not really. Okay, Yvaldic.